please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Okay, hey, this is Greg McIntyre along with attorney Brenton Begley here. And this is the Elder Law Report where myself, who is an estate planning and elder law attorney, and attorney Brenton Begley talk about things that affect you and your family. And we're dedicated to bringing you valuable information at least weekly, right? And putting out uh, content, writing. If you ever need to check out anything we're talking about on the radio show or the podcast or the videos that we do, go to McIntyre Elder Law's website, mcelderlaw.com. We have robust content there, podcasts, written articles. Britton's great. He writes articles all the time. I used to be great. I used to write articles all the time. I need to write some more. Well, you wrote a book. I did yeah, write an e- e-book available for anyone who goes to the website. Sure, yeah, that's on the website. So yeah. today our topic is an important one because we're going to tackle common misconceptions with aging, money, and estate planning, Okay. People have commonly held misconceptions out there about a number of things. You know, we did, we both did a seminar last night in different towns. We did. And I had some of these questions asked last night. And I just found that the more groups I talked to, they had the same misconceptions about aging, money, and estate planning. Let's start with those. I'm going to lay out what those are going to be today. We have a 30-minute show ahead of us. Um, and in this next half hour, we're going to specifically answer these questions. The first commonly held belief is Medicare pays for long-term care. And then packaged within that is confusion over what Medicare is versus Medicaid, right. what each pays for. And we're going to tackle that question today. Second, and I had this in a seminar last night, I don't need a will or an estate plan because in North Carolina, I'm married and everything automatically goes to my spouse. Right. (laughs) That is probably the most commonly held misconception. Absolutely. Or I don't need a power of attorney because my spouse can do it. Okay, that's another one. So we've got four. Yeah. <laughs> so don't don't let me forget as we go through this. Oh, let's tackle that one too. I had that one last night too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and I asked questions around the room, and they're like, "Yeah, my they can, my spouse can get in it." Another one packaged within there is, "It doesn't matter. I can get into his IRA because I'm the beneficiary." Yeah, wrong. So, so we'll we'll cover those as well, and then the the third, third or fifth, depending on how you, you know. This is lawyer math here. You know, I have plenty of money. I can pay for long term care, right? Yeah. Why, why do I need to plan to protect yeah. assets, right? Um, so, so those are three commonly held misconceptions with a couple of other bonus ones thrown in there that we're going to cover in the next, say, 20 or so minutes. So I'll start with the first one, Britt. Medicare pays for long-term care. Number one, what is Medicare? Medicare is like health insurance that you're automatically enrolled into after age 65. Right, so everyone 65 years or older in the United States of America is on 
Medicare. Care. Right? That's right. Medicare, not Medicaid. Right. Medicaid, you're not automatically uh, enrolled into. You don't automatically qualify for it. Medicaid is something you have to qualify for it and apply for. Absolutely. So there are two different programs, but I've got too much money to be on Medicaid. What, what are we talking about here? Isn't all Medicaid the same? Is there there's just one program? You know, what are we talking about? Are we talking about food assistance? Are we talking about Ranger Standard Adult Medicaid? You know, what what is this? Yeah, you know, to be clear, Medicaid is something just like Medicare that you pay into your into your whole life. You, you pay into the system your yeah. whole life. And, and, and so, uh, long-term care Medicaid is 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 different than any other type of Medicaid at all. Falls under the umbrella of Medicaid, but long-term care Medicaid is government assistance to pay long-term care. So really, they're giving you back the money that you pay into that program to pay for your long-term care. Right. And for adult Medicaid, other versions of Medicaid. Um, you can only have a certain amount of assets, and it's true with long-term care Medicaid to pay for long-term care, but you're allowed to have more assets than you would if you were to get like adult Medicaid or something like that. Sure, sure. But how would I qualify? I feel like I have too many assets to qualify for that Medicaid program to pay for long-term care or assisted living care. Um you know, do I call an attorney? What do I do to try to be try yeah. to get qualified? So the, I don't want to lose all my assets. I don't want to spend down all my assets to nothing. Yeah, just like the very robust and complicated tax code we have here in, in the United States, we also have a very uh, complicated and robust Medicaid manual that attorneys like you and I have just really drilled into our head to Ripped figure apart. out how to make sure we preserve assets keep the value of those assets without having to spend them away and still get people qualified for Medicaid. So um, a lot of times, you know, there's there's this misconception that, hey, I own something so I won't be able to qualify for Medicaid or even beyond that, I own a substantial amount of assets. Right. So I won't be able to qualify for Medicaid. That's just not true. Depending on the plan. So should I plan ahead or... Or can you help me in an emergency? You know, what's best? So the sooner you plan ahead, the easier it is to save everything you got. Okay? Now, don't get me wrong. If you're in an emergency situation, it's better to come see us. It's better to come see an attorney, an elder law attorney, to figure out how to save, you know, what you can and still get, uh, you know, qualified for, for Medicaid. But, you know, the, the best thing to do is, is plan early and often. Right. Yeah. So, so planning ahead, not procrastinating. That's right. Right? Is allows you more options, freedom, and is probably less costly in the end. Oh, absolutely less costly. Right. Yep. So, so, thank so Medicare you. is not going to pay for that, by the way. Medicare is not going to pay for long-term care. Medicaid, Medicare so, is like health insurance, yeah. and it doesn't cover a long-term care stay just like But it'll pay care. for some time, right? So let's say I go to the ICU. And I have I've fallen and hit my head, or I've had a stroke. Yep. And then I have to go to rehabilitation, which is outside of the hospital, because the hospital is not built for that. It's not built for rehabilitation or long-term care. So they're going to stabilize me, move me to rehabilitation. Medicare pays the first 20 days right. in full of rehabilitation. Right. Then the next 80 days, it will pay partially. Right. Right. You have a supplement. I have a copay that I have to pay out of pocket. Or if I paid a private insurance supplement, that could supplement 
that Medicare payment so that it pays the copay. Right. Um, but rarely is, does anyone stay 100 days. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very Usually rare. Because they're moved you, along after 20, up, yeah. 30 days. Yeah. If, if, if by the subjective, you know, um, opinion of that, that physician, you know, who is monitoring you that you've plateaued and you're not going to get better, they'll recommend that you need long-term care. So move you over to that designation and that essentially means that you have to either pay out of pocket or get some type of assistance to pay for it at that point. Right. Exactly. Other than Medicare. Exactly. Exactly. So those are tough positions to be in, in yeah. an emergency yeah. because you know, you have to come out of pocket a lot of money. If you or a loved one is going in or a spouse is going into Nursing home care from re- rehabilitation. Right, because long-term care ain't cheap. It is not. And many times people spend out everything they make their whole lives in the last few years of their lives. Yep. Long-term care, nursing home assisted living care is disproportionately expensive compared to incomes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, so and, and most people out there don't have long-term care insurance. Right. And even if you do, you know, the long-term care insurance is not meant to cover the full cost of long-term care. It's, it's supposed to supplement it. But even sure. with a long-term care insurance that, you know, that, you, that you've gotten, it might not even help all that much depending on the plan. You know, it's important to get the right type of plan. But some plans might supplement it. But if you need high-level care, it could cost way more than you can afford even with insurance. Agree. Agree. So, okay, we're going to move on to our second commonly held misconception about aging, money, and estate planning. The second commonly held misconception and question we hear all the time is, I don't need a will, or do I need a will? I'm married in North Carolina. Doesn't everything go to my spouse anyway? Yeah. Yeah, you know, do I need a will or a state plan because I have a spouse? I mean, you know, it's 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 a common misconception, but it's a dangerous misconception because if even if you have a spouse, it, it doesn't mean they they get everything whenever you pass away. Now, if you have just a spouse, maybe maybe they'll get everything if 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 you pass away. But if you have any children. Your children have a right to inherit if you don't have a will, if you haven't designated everything to go to your spouse. Right. Because it goes... You might end up, as a spouse, owning real estate and splitting other monies, you know, with the children. That's right. And not necessarily an even split. You could end up a one-third owner, and they're... Right. And if there's multiple children, they own two-thirds. If you don't have a will or a estate plan, what happens if you die? It Well, you can still probate an estate or, or administer an estate and qualify as an administrator of an estate. But the state has a will for you, and that's we call that the state's will. But those are the statutes of intestate secession. Mm-hmm. And those statutes of intestate secession... And we all trust all our politicians out there in the legislature, I'm sure, um, to do the right thing for us. But they've already crafted statutes that will pass your assets for you if you choose not to draft your own will. Right. Okay. It's probably not what you want either. 
it, it may not be the way you want to pass your assets. Right. Certainly, it doesn't take into account giving everything to your spouse. If one dies, you know, everything to husband, husband gives everything to wife. And then, you know, secondarily, if when the last one passes, it goes to the children equally. Okay. Right. It's equally distributed to the children. You know, that's how uh, is a common way to distribute assets in an estate. Uh, the state's will, so to speak, is not set up that way. Right. It's set up much differently. So, so uh, you know, if you want to control, it doesn't take into account charities or any of the other or the grandchildren. Yeah. So, so if you want to control how your assets are passed, wills are important, even if you're married. Yeah. And, you know, if it, it, it goes to someone who you don't want to have a direct advice, maybe you want them to not receive a full amount of their inheritance at once, maybe over time, it doesn't account for anything like that either. And that kind of brings us to the other question within this, the sub-question about the powers of attorney. Powers of attorney. The financial power of attorney. Right. The street name for it is the financial power of attorney. That's right. We call it a general durable power of attorney. General durable power of attorney. Yeah. It survives incompetency, incapacity. It's there when you need it. That's why we call it durable. It has a durability clause. So, okay. Yeah, but you know, my wife thinks everything is hers. That's mine. Right. But think about it. I mean, I have an IRA. Yeah. What's IRA stand for? Individual retirement account. Keyword being individual. Can my wife call up the IRA company and move money or get money out of my IRA? Absolutely not. No. It's just like property. You know, the old adage goes, it takes uh, one to buy, two to sell when it comes to a married couple. We own our house ourselves. Yeah. If she needed to borrow money on the house or sell the house, if I was in a bad accident, I was incompetent, incapacitated for an extended period of time, recovery was questionable, um, you know, full recovery was questionable, um, maybe she needs to downsize and sell the house. Maybe the kids, you know, maybe our six kids finally move out of the house, one day, you know, and uh, how is she going to ever sell the house? If I haven't appointed her as my financial agent under a general durable power of attorney, how's she ever going to do that? Right. Well, she can't. She, it's, she's everything's frozen. Right. Unless she seeks guardianship. So which, what's what's guardianship in North Carolina if I don't have a financial agent appointed? Right. So if you don't have someone appointed to make decisions on your behalf and you're incompetent, legally incompetent, where you can't make decisions and manage your own affairs, then the state can appoint somebody to make decisions for you. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that you no longer make decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. Someone does. And your family can seek that. Your family can ask to be that person. But that doesn't mean that they'll be appointed. Right? And, and especially without the help of an attorney, if you go through this process, you can wind up in a really bad situation having, you know, the your loved one declared incompetent and not being the person who gets to make the choices for them. Maybe the state, maybe it's a third party attorney coming in, making those choices. And then everything's regulated by the government, by the court. Right. So it can be a really (coughs) tough situation to be in. And so they might appoint. So the court, let's say I'm going after guardianship of my wife. Right. And my oldest daughter wants that duty. Right. 
she thinks that I'm not the right person anymore to be the guardian over my wife. Yeah. And we're arguing about it. Yeah. We can't reach a decision. Is the estate is the state going to choose one of us or what do they do? A lot do of they times, appoint a, an attorney over my wife? A lot of times, you know, they, that conflict, because there's a conflict there, yeah. they just want to wash their hands of it and not have some some issue because they appointed someone. Um, Happened and, to the family. Yeah, exactly. And so, so they, they'll just appoint a neutral third party, what they deem to be a neutral third party. But in reality, you know, you have... You have these individuals who are appointed, who act on behalf of a bunch of different estates, and and it's kind of the same thing for every estate, right? Right. They don't have that that desire and care that a family member would have to make sure that assets are preserved, that that you know you're you're taken care of and your wishes are carried out to the extent possible, right? And and that's not to say that these are people who make bad decisions necessarily. They're they're supposed to act in the best interest of the ward, but they don't know. They don't know what the ward wants. They don't know what the your loved one wants because they never got to talk to them and figure it out when they weren't incompetent. A little double negative for you there. <laughs> they weren't incompetent. Yeah. That's right. Um so <clears throat> Wow. So I don't know that I want the state to be over me and over all my assets. I don't think I want, you know, really, it seems like a power of attorney, a financial power of attorney is a way for me to be proactive and select the person I want to manage my financial affairs, the person I trust. It's a great way to prevent. And not leave it up to the courts. Yeah. It's a great way to prevent the state from coming in and making those decisions for you. And it's also a great way to make sure that you're protected no matter what happens as long as... What about make sure assets are protected? If I've failed to do all the proper estate planning under the current laws, yeah. then can my power of attorney that I appoint, can my agent that I appoint come in and help do that for me? Certainly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They can make the best decisions for me. Right. That's good. Because I know who I want to appoint. Exactly. I mean, it, you know, you might need some type of long-term care. I mean, you have a 70% chance if you make it past 65 needing some type of long-term care. That's why this is such a big deal. As elder law attorneys, we know that every person over 65 today has a 70% chance of needing in-home assisted living or nursing home care. Right, and that number is just going up. That percentage is going up because medical technology is getting better. People are living longer and they're outliving their money. But that doesn't necessarily mean the quality of life is better. So people are living longer in assisted living and, and nursing home facilities. And more and more, you need people to be able to act on your behalf to make sure that you can get you know, those, that care paid for and those assets protected. So we're worried about the high cost of long-term care. Absolutely. And how that could affect your other real estate, your retirement, right? and how to protect that. We also want you to have the best care possible. And I think, you know, those discussions are important to have. They are. And, and you know, that leads us to the next question about, hey, you know, look, I've saved money. I've worked hard to save money. And sure. I got money. I can pay for long-term care. Why I have I plenty of money. I can pay for long-term care, right? Yeah. But can you? You know, personally. But can I, you if really? I, if I look, if I look at the cost of long-term care, which is also only going up five to ten thousand dollars a month, right? I mean, 
unless you're Jeff Bezos, you're going to have a hard time paying for that. Well, that's, going through everything you've you've earned all your life. It, for the average person, that's correct. Yeah, but that's something that that we want to sit down and take a look at is, and that you should be a competent, cognizant of. Right. Okay, um, is what your income is how much it costs to pay for long-term care, and where's that money going to come from? And is it going to leave a spouse of yours destitute? Because we see that a lot of times. We see in an emergency, it's more often than not, it's the wife as opposed to the husband. You know, she is very upset, and she's concerned that because of a healthcare incident, accident with the husband, that he is going to need long-term care for an extended period of time. Right. She and her husband have both worked, saved, and, and been a team their whole life for retirement. And then she is in a position where she can be left destitute because at for no fault of her own because of the high cost of long-term care. That's right. And because of the lack of legal planning. Yes. And foresight to engage in estate planning. Right. I mean, it's that's not, it's not just part of the life. point here. Yeah. That's part of the point here. You are not powerless. Yeah, not just a victim. You are not a victim. Yep. Okay? You are not a victim of life or the system. All right? You have legal options to protect your hard-earned money and property. And those are things that I've dedicated. We have dedicated our practice to helping seniors and their families and others with estate planning and with asset protection, maximizing taxable exemptions, off expanding health care options and long-term care options and ways to pay for care. So that is what our entire practice is engaged in. So I would say no matter how much money you have, you need to be aware of these things and sit down and think about them. And whether vehicles like Deed protection, ladybird deeds on the home, life estate deeds on other properties, or trust, irrevocable, revocable, convertible trust right. are best for your asset picture if you're planning ahead. And trust me, planning ahead is phenomenal. It is so much better than waiting to get to an emergency situation. Um, although we're set up to help either way. I would rather help you plan ahead so that the plan, you know, I love it when a plan comes together, Absolutely. right? And and I love to see those things play out the way we envisioned. And that's fine. You know, and that, that's satisfying as an elder law attorney right. to work with the family and, and help them save money and property and help their loved one be cared for um, the right. way, the way they, they need. Yeah. You know, and, and, one of the things that, that comes to mind when I hear, hey, you know, I, I have enough money to pay for long-term care, or I think I do, you know, the question that comes to my mind is, did you work hard your whole life just to turn around and pay that for long-term care? Or did you want to leave a legacy? You want to leave something behind. You want to ensure that your family, your loved one, your spouse, your children, your grandchildren are taken care of, that they don't have to start from zero in their lives, that they can be taken care of and that they have something that you've been able to leave behind because it mattered what you did during your life. It mattered how much 
hard work and perseverance and, you know, how, how you got through the hard times and struggled and, and made something of, of yourself, even if it's not much, you should be able to leave something behind. That's your right as an American citizen. That's it something is. we like to ensure. That is one of the founding principles in our country is that we can work hard, uh, acquire money, property, and we can pass those along, yes. right? Um, and, you know, the same government that put that into place now so many times tries to come back and take that away. Right. Either through taxation, excessive taxation, or through so-called liens back to the state for Medicaid liens. If they paid for long-term care, although you paid for that benefit in the first with place. the excessive taxation. That's right. <laughs> it's a vicious cycle. It is. Right? Um, but that's what we're here to help you see and help you avoid. Avoid. Yeah. Right? Legally avoid. So um, I appreciate everybody out there listening today. I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you for hanging out with us for the Elder Law Report, where we discuss money, property, aging, and estate planning. And this has been our show. We'll be back with another great show next week. So please tune in. Same bat place, same bat channel. That's right. (laughs) See you guys. We put off planning till things get slow Tomorrow's never promised today Don't get too busy and let it all slip away Please don't wait till it's too late Call McIntyre Elder Law Foundational planning or more complex We can help when you're perplexed If a loved one needs long-term care We can help avoid some of the scare Please don't wait till it's too late Call McIntyre Elder Law Estate planning benefits and even probate We take the planning piece off your plate If you or your spouse were in the military We can help with benefits for your family Please don't wait till it's too late Call back and